Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church! Yay! That's what I want to hear. Good. All right. All right. Hi there. So we continue this series, Embracing God's Embrace. And actually, Neil came up with this name, and that's a great name because it actually pretty much encapsulates the main idea that we're trying to convey to you throughout this series. You have to become intentional about receiving what God is telling He feels about you. You have to. All right, I'm done. <laughs> okay. And we, we decided to start with this uh, in 2022 as we begin this year because that's the foundational thing. And some of you might think, oh, you guys keep talking about those primitive things, those like 101 Christianity. Hey, a lot of people really need to be established there. If you're there, I'm glad for you, but I don't think you're there. Because if you're there, you have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit most of the time. And you don't look like the one that has it all the time. All right? So let's be honest. I have a... <laughs> yeah, I have this... All right. I'll start preaching. Don't worry about me. Uh, so we want to embrace it. We want to see it. We want to get established. We want to be firmly rooted in this reality of God's love. And today I'm going to talk about specific things that will actually enable you to experience this love on the regular basis in your daily walk. No matter what you do, no matter where you work, whatever you're engaged, you want to be able to experience this love on the regular basis. But before I start introducing this specific thing, I want to follow the footsteps of our great, footsteps of our great uh, leader, Bishop His Excellency, Reverend Haney. <clears throat> the father of five children had won a toy at a raffle. He called his kids together. Oh, oh, yes. He called his kids together to ask which one should get the present. And he, he goes, who's the most obedient? Who never talks back to mother? That's the one who's going to get the toy. The kids like, went like that, looked at each other and said, Dad, you win. You get the toy. So, I'm sorry. It was an attempt to impersonate Neil. All right. And a, and a way to introduce the topic I want to talk to, to you about. Obedience. Obedience. That's what I want to talk to you about. In a sense, all religions uphold obedience as one of the most highly praised uh, virtues. All religions. In fact, for an outsider, if you ask them, like, hey, like... Let's say you, you grab a guy out of the street who is totally non-religious and you, you ask him, hey, what do you think is the essence of any religion? He would say, obedience. They give you a set of rules. You comply, you're good. And good things are going to happen to you as a result of that. You violate, you're bad. And bad things are going to happen as a result of that. I'm sorry to say, but some of you came to Christ because of this mentality. And that's religion. And Christian, in Christian circles, obedience is always praised, is also praised and, you know, upheld high. And if you identify yourself as a Christian, 
and you listen to Christian messages, maybe listen to Christian radio stations or read Christian books on a regular basis or visit different churches, sooner or later you're going to hear a message on the importance of obedience in your life. And usually those messages are very impactful, they're very forceful, sometimes they're very inspiring and motivational. You really, I mean, if, if a preacher did a good job, you really, whew, you want to get together and just, just start doing it. Just, just, just obey the Lord, mean, mean business with the Lord, you know. But I want to tell you that Christian faith is actually different. If you listen to me and Neil uh, often enough, you understand that we use the word religion as a negative term. We contrast it with relationship. And all we're trying to do here, we're trying to help you, help ourselves to get transferred from the world of religion when there is a set of rules, when there is like a, a willful effort to obey God into the world of relationship when God becomes real in your daily walk am I speaking to someone today or just like talking to myself all right thank you thank you so all right I heard this interview with a Christian oh well, Christian rabbi no Christian rabbis uh with a, with a Jewish rabbi and he said this and it kind of you know caught my attention he said you Christians you you overanalyze things you overthink the Bible you take the Bible you read it and you like try to understand how to do it and you analyze what's going on inside of you. It's just a matter of reading it, understanding it and doing it. He was, he sounded like Nike company. Just do it. And I thought, you know what, when I hear it, it sounds right and it sounds like almost appealing. Like, oh yeah, I do overthink things. I do overanalyze things. It's just a matter of doing, right? Is that right? No. Not according to Jesus. He said what happens in your heart really matters. The motives of your heart really matter. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason kind of nullifies the point of it. Jesus brought this divine x-ray machine when he came and he was talking to people who were generally considering themselves to be all right. They were going to synagogues, listen to, you know, sermons and trying to not violate the law and they would not consider themselves to be sinners they had a good self-esteem most of them you know what a good self-esteem according to psychologists do you know what what a good self-esteem of an average person an average person thinks that he's a little better than an average person so Jesus brought this x-ray machine and he said, you, you, you consider yourself to be okay with God but let me tell you something you think some people are sinners you're not listen you are cheaters, murderers, thieves, and everything else. He said, what? And he brought this x-ray machine and he said, you see what's going on in your heart? Have you ever been angry with your brother? Oh, yeah, we did. Well, that is the seed of the murder. If given full fruition, if you let this thing unfold and lead you to its logical summary, it's going to be a murder. Have you ever looked... At a woman with a lustful eye yeah we did well that's all kind of sexual immorality and adultery and destroying of family have you ever considered that you would really want something that somebody else you know hasn't you can't afford that's the beginning of all kinds of evil things too so you already have it in you so it matters what's going on in your heart doing the right thing for the wrong motive 
destroys it. That's why just do it is not going to cut it. You know? It may sound shocking to you, but let me tell you that trying to be obedient often nullifies the purpose of your obedience and often is detrimental to your spiritual well-being. Did you hear me? Trying to obey the Lord in a wrong way will be detrimental to your spiritual well-being. And I can give you many reasons, but I'll give you just few. Don't take me wrong. I'm not downgrading obedience. There is a place for obedience. But let me tell you something. Obedience is going to be detrimental to you if it's not preceded and accompanied by another vital element. And you have to stay here to hear what this element is. I'm going to tell you in a minute, but not right away. Let me tell you. First, if you don't have that element, if you only have the desire to be obedient to the Lord, that's what's going to happen to you. I'm not going to list many things. I'll go, I'm going to just list two things. First of all, let me tell you that the decision to obey God based on your willpower, your resolve, your determination will inevitably lead you to a very tiresome, wearsome, tedious life full of internal conflict and tension. It will wear you out. Can I hear an amen to that? If you have never tried that, ask me. I've tried that. That's exactly what's going to happen. Ask Neil. Ask my friend Stephen Bell who's visiting us today. It does not work. Your resolve, your determination, your willpower to be the greatest version of you for God is going to kill you. Sooner or later, you're going to break. All the repressed impulses and emotions will accumulate and reach a critical point when you will have a breakdown and relapse and you would do something that you will feel sorry about later. You know, Neil keeps referring to his experience in 2012. That was horrible. That was devastating to him, to the church, to his family, to everything. He had a nervous breakdown. All of it began when he was ah, trying to be the best version of Neil Haney for God's sake. So I'm warning you. Be careful when you hear those messages. They're great. They resonate in us. So, and by the way, uh, how many of you have Netflix? There's a movie on Netflix right now. I, I still, it's still there. I believe it's still there. I'm, I'm not here to advertise anything, but I recently watched it. And this is a great illustration of what religious does compared to life. Chocolate. Have you seen this movie? Any of you? It's there. Watch it. It's not for kids, though. But that shows you the, the, the face of religion versus life. Just fun way to illustrate this sermon. By the way, do you know what the word <clears throat> Islam means? That's the name of a Muslim religion. Do you know how it translates? Total submission to God's will. Do you know that many Christians actually try to convert Christianity into a Christian version of Islam? If you take the essential element of the gospel and all you leave is, hey, brother, here's the Bible. The will of God is there. Just do it. You become a Christian Muslim. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't mean to shock you. So it will wear you out. But the, the most important thing, why it's not good for you, if it's not preceded, if it's not accompanied with something very important that I'm about to tell you, is because when you decide to become more spiritual, when you decide to obey God, 
to it, it, it actually is going to strengthen your ego it's going to get you locked even more in your ego egocentricity you will feel spiritual you will feel like you're advancing you would feel for for a moment you will feel like you're you're moving along you're advancing something good is happening you're reaching the point when god is going to have a special outpouring on manifestation or revival or something most likely in that very moment you'll get deceived your ego will get stronger and you will have not much reality of God's Spirit working through you. So you strive for, for something, for a specific result, you actually get the opposite of that. Am I speaking to someone? All right, cool. So listen, the whole point of coming of the kingdom of God in your life is to overturn the kingdom of self. It's either one or the other. It, how many of you have listened to me preach a couple of Sundays ago about your righteousness versus God's righteousness in your life? It's either or. You can't have both. It's the same way here. It's the same way here. It's either the kingdom of yourself or the kingdom of Jesus. And we all know we're great. We think we're great kings of our life. I don't know about you, but I know myself. If I don't watch it, I always try to be the king. I always try to build my little kingdom, to promote it, to establish it, to expand it. We all, if we, if we identify ourselves as a Christian, that means there was a point in time in our life when we confessed, when we declared that Jesus is our Savior, He's our Lord, He's our King. It takes just a minute to do that. It takes a long time to transfer the ownership of your life to Him. To relinquish, to relinquish to let go of trying to control every aspect of your life. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Obedience is not going to work in your life unless it's preceded and accompanied by trust. There's a famous Christian song you all, many of you know, trust and obey for there is no other way but to happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. You can't truly obey from your heart if you don't trust, right? You have to trust. I'm going to read you one of the scriptures, and it's super practical. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Many of you know it by heart. Some of you are new to the church and to the faith and to, to, to the Bible. So I, I highly recommend you commit it to your memory. Proverbs chapter 3 verses, I believe, 5 and 6. That's one of my favorite verses because it's super practical. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I'm going to read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely do not lean on your concepts on your understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths i really like another translation it says and he shall direct your path that means you're going somewhere you're doing something but you're not doing it on your own, by yourself. You're learning to recognize His presence in every area of your life. 
and you notice what he's doing and you correct your way accordingly and he actually guides you this is a promise of God's guidance in your life when you learn to practically trust him in the practical areas of your life it's fun it's awesome life becomes an adventure with God you cannot obey someone from your heart if you don't trust this person you will not be able to trust this person listen that's important you will not be able to trust this person if you don't know if you're not sure that this person loves you if this person is for you if this person is really has the best in mind for you I mean you can make yourself to be obedient to this guy like you would do to a bad boss at your job right somebody who humiliates you who doesn't like you but he has authority he has power over you so you're afraid so you just have an upper stiff upper lip and you just uh, you suck it up and you like obey and comply comply that's not relationship with the Lord that's the whole point of the story of Adam and Eve the fell has happened not at the moment when they took the fruit that was the fruition just like Jesus said the seed the seed was planted when the enemy came and started planting these thoughts that God is holding out on you he has an alternative motives he has an alternative agenda so you if somebody has an alternative agenda you can't fully trust that person and if you can't fully trust that person you can't really live in obedience to their will this make sense all right that is the whole point of Adam's story as so in Christian tradition the highest form of such trust came to be called surrender you probably heard and there's another Christian song I surrender all there's a famous hymn right I surrender all so this surrender is actually it's very important to understand it's a pasture posture of life of your heart it's being open to receive God's love it's not surrender to the known will of God from the Bible that would become a Christian version of Islam you open up yourself to the love of God revealed in Christ and you learn to be intentional about receiving this love standing in this love walking in this love acting in this love speaking in this love you become the embodiment of this love Jesus was our pioneer who has come into this world and he was highly irritating person to religious guys you know why he was in in their face with his claims about his special relationship with God exclusive unique that is so irritating would you be irritated if you would like go to church for 20 years or something you pay your tithes and give money and do good things and read the Bible and blah, 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 all of that and somebody shows up he just believed in the Lord and all of a sudden he's overwhelmed with the Spirit of God and he tells you I am God's favorite child that would be very irritating to some of you you say you, you don't know what you're talking about no he does Jesus was claiming that he's very special child of God that God he's his favorite 
You would say, God doesn't have favorites. Not according to the New Testament. He does. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen, Jesus claimed special relationship with God. He called him father. He called him daddy. And that was irritating to religious mindset. And if you are in him, if you have received him, you are God's favorite child. You can call him daddy. You need to reform your mindset so that you would pull yourself out of religion into this reality of relationship with a loving relational God who is your daddy father. Does it make sense? That's the beginning. That's the basics. That's the foundational. That's 101. So every time you hear surrender to God, remember in this church, we don't call you to surrender to the written word of God. We call you to surrender to the special relationship with the Lord, to the love of God. And then you can come and study your Bible, all right? If you do it vice versa, you're going to end up in trouble. All right? Okay. I'm talking to you. I'm not preaching to them. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'll read you another scripture. And it's another golden nugget that if you don't know it by heart, memorize it. It's, it's found in the book of Romans chapter 8. And that's Paul's attitude. He, I also know it by heart. I think I, I learned it in New King James Version, but I'm going to read it from ASV, ESV. Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. That's Paul speaking. He said, I am sure. I like the version that I learned. I am persuaded. I am convinced. I am firmly, firmly established. I am rooted deeply, unshakably in this truth. I am convinced. I'm, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, not anything that is happening right now, nor things to come, nothing in the future. I don't care how many versions of COVID is going to show. I don't care. Nothing of that. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Paul's attitude. I just read you a little piece. If you read the whole chapter, he's talking about super negative circumstances. He says, he begins to list all kinds of bad things that happens to him. He says, shipwrecks, being persecuted, people are trying to kill him all the time. He is being... Uh, Suffering some needs, not having enough food, not having a place to rest. Very negative, adverse circumstances. And he said, we are surrounded by them, but in the middle of them, I am confident in God's love for me. And nothing can separate me from this love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's all I'm trying to tell you today. You know, surrender is surrender to this love. My friend, I, I met this guy recently. I actually haven't met him face to face. I'm going to visit him. He lives in Pennsylvania. He's one of the, he's going to start a church soon. He's a Russian guy, lives in America, in Pennsylvania. And I talked to him on the, over the phone and he told me about his evolution. He was raised in a very legalistic church. 
the church, the, the, the Bible, a lot of accusation, a lot of condemnation. And then he began to learn about the grace of God, how radical it is, how wonderful it is. The gospel is a good news that is way better than he was presented before. So he began to believe it, but he said, I still had a lot of residual stuff from my background. And he said, we had two kids, we had two boys, but we always, always wanted to have a little daughter. And finally they got pregnant and they were, they were so full of hope and joy and they, they were so blessed to, and the ultrasound showed that it was a girl. And then something horrible began to happen with a baby inside of the mother's womb and they lost a child. That was a miscarriage. And it was a tragedy. They were devastated. But he said, after I went through my mourning, after I got over my, my suffering of this loss, all of a sudden it became as clear as day to me. God has nothing to do with this loss. It wasn't God. He said it was a religious bullcrap to tell me that God first gave me this child and then took it away. That was a big fat lie. It was a smearing the name of God. And he said after that, before that, I was still hesitant to make up my mind. After that, I was firm. If somebody would come to me and say, hey, God is trying to teach you something, I would tell him, get lost. I know who my God is and what he feels about me. Does it, does it make sense? All right. So I want us to be people like that. I don't want us to go through tragedies, but I want us to become like Paul. I want us to become people who are so persuaded, so confident that no matter what the circumstances scream at us, the circumstances will scream at you that God doesn't love you. But you would say, no, I know God loves me. God loves me. And I am fully expectant every single day I would wake up, I would open up my heart and I would say, Lord, I thank you for your love that is about to be poured out into my life today. How many of you heard about this book that became a bestseller a few years ago, Five Languages of Love? You heard about it, right? And it's about relationship between people, how they use different languages to communicate their love. And sometimes they speak different languages and it creates a problem. For one person, love is a gift, giving gifts or tokens of life. That's me, by the way. Hint. <laughs> I love getting gifts. That's nice. That's, aha, they love me. Uh, for some people, it's a quality time. You know what it means? It means, okay, brother, I'm here for you. I'm going to switch off my phone. I'm not going to fiddle with my phone. I'm going to listen to you. And you're going to pour out your heart. And I'm going to listen carefully. That's a quality time. That's a, lang a language, another language of love. Another one is hugs. Hey, Hannah. You know, some of us really need a hug. They, they, we want to hug people. We need a touch. We need a tap on the shoulder. And what else need? Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Oh, acts of service. Acts of service. You know, it tells, it tells volumes about, for somebody, it tells volumes of when somebody like Doug comes and just does a lot of things. Let me tell you something. God speaks all these languages fluently. And you, you have the full ground to every morning to start by opening up and say, Lord, speak to me in all possible languages. And he is going to speak to you the words of love. He probably has more than five. He's, he's not an American. He doesn't speak one language. All right. <laughs> he's not bilingual. He's multi, multi, multilingual. 
So the circumstances may scream at you, look, God doesn't love you. But you say, no, God loves me and I'm fully expecting some tangible manifestations of His love in my life. Because the most important demonstration has happened on the cross and in the grave. You know, if nothing good happens today, I'm still convinced. I'm still persuaded. Because the cross has bloody stains and the tomb is empty. That's your foundation. That's your foundation. And let, let me show you that Christ actually invites us to this lifestyle dominated by deep faith in the love of God. You know, in the Gospel of John, it says, he, he tells to his disciples, I, my Father has loved me and I loved you, so abide in my love. Abide in my love. And I want to read to you one scripture that is also very famous and also worth memorizing. Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 and let me tell you something this passage is often used by evangelists to preach the gospel to people that never heard the gospel and it creates an idea that this passage is for unbelievers no let me tell you this passage is for you Matthew 11 come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest that's the promise of Jesus come to me all all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am what shall we learn from Jesus for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light yoke is a piece of agricultural equipment that allows several oxen to be joined together to use their force to use their power to use their strength to do something on the field in that time and that place usually it was two oxen one that would take one experienced and one unexperienced and they put them together so the experienced will actually kind of lead the way and unexperienced would you know finally learn how to walk this way let me tell you something yoke speaks of work obedience means you're doing the will of God and you are called to do the will of God in your life I'm called but you will only do it well and right without destroying yourself when you do it in the same yoke with Jesus and Jesus always did everything not for getting something with God but out of this abundance of relationship with the Father his service to people would always flow out of his sonship and his sonship was not based on what he has done for the Lord it was rooted in the nature of God himself he has given us this uh, this relationship with God it's a gift that's 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 the package that you receive in the gospel Jesus did not cling to human accolades or shunned human criticism or persecution he did not strive to prove anything to anybody he was abiding in his father's love everything has been flowing out of the sonship everything else was a secondary matter he provided us a way into the same relationship with the father and he invites us to stop striving but rather start trusting learn to relinquish the control of your life 
and rely on this embrace of the Father. You have to become intentional about embracing the embrace of the Father that is offered to you in Jesus Christ. That should become our lifestyle. We cannot afford just to be another religious group in a religious society. I don't want it. I want reality. I want what Jesus had. Reality of God's embrace. All right? And this surrender doesn't happen once and for all. It doesn't happen once and you have it's, it's easily drifted away from. All these religious ideas are still in us. It takes time to get rid of them. It doesn't mean I want you to re rededicate your life for the 20th time again. But I want you to learn every time you find yourself getting tired, exhausted, weird out, uh, we, you know, something is wearing you out, you find yourself this heavy laden, come to Jesus, get into this yoke, when you're embraced by the love of God. All right? It's like, it's like learning how to swim. How many of you are good swimmers? Well, I'm a horrible swimmer. I, I'll tell you something personal. I learned how to swim, and I'm 48, I think, or 47, something like that. I learned to swim in 1999 in Springfield, Ohio. When I was already like 20-some years old, it was in Wittenberg. Wittenberg campus, they, our friends took us to the swimming pool. All these years before that 1999 event, I was doing this. What do you call it? Yeah, I was, I was good at that. It was horrible. I mean, for me to cover a few feet, it just took enormous energy. And I never knew how deep that thing is because I was afraid to touch the glue. <laughs> so I was doing that in Wittenberg campus. <laughs> and this lady, a wife of a friend of mine, she said, okay, Dennis, I'm going to try to help you here. I see that you're afraid water. You're afraid of water. You're af you don't trust water. So you're trying instinctively, you're trying to keep your head above the water because you're so afraid for water to cover your face. She said, that's the secret. You need to learn to trust the water. So she took me to a shallow end and I stood like uh, waist high and she said, like bent over and just try to put half of your face in the water. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. It's going to cover your ear. That's okay. Just, 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 just let, it, let it cover half of it. So I did, and nothing bad happened, so I was okay. She said, now do the other side. Oh, I did the other side. Okay, all right, so, so what? She said, now try to put one, and just close your mouth, and close your eyes, and just go bloop, 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 on the other side. And I did it several times, and I was successful. She said, now you're not afraid of water so much. You're not afraid to put your face in the water. You, you trust water a little more. So she said, now try swimming with this new skill. And I tried. Listen, what happened? I went to a deeper side. I put my face halfway down. And I've been able to grab water and pull myself. And all of a sudden, whoa, I covered this like twice as much space. And I was doing this for like minutes. And I, I, I did this again. And I grabbed water and I pulled myself. Well, I learned to swim. 
That was amazing. All these years I was afraid of that thing called water and all of a sudden it became more friendly to me. And I know some of you can even float. How many of you can float? I never got to that point yet. But I know it's a matter of trusting the water. I could only float well in Dead Sea in Israel together with Derek. Yeah, I was good at that. So, see, it's like that. Some of you have never even got into the water yet. Getting into the water is actually calling the Lord Jesus into your life and declaring Him your Savior and His Lord and your Lord, right? But then you need to learn to trust the water because God's love is this huge mighty river that will take you to places of God's presence, God's reality, God's power. And our goal, Neil and I, we're trying to get ourselves and to get you guys into this river and learn not to do this. But to learn to trust and finally learn to swim in that water, to float in that water, to let this river take you to the, to the places God has in mind for us. All right? So when you hear a message about, you got to obey, you have to obey. That's right. But only as a matter of outcome of your experiencing and embracing God's embrace. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.